God's opportunity. America's extremity is God's opportunity. I, that's what I've come to, and that's what I believe. Now let's read a little story, one of my favorite stories, the day Jesus got into the boat with the disciples. If he's in your boat, say amen. amen. All right, then he got in the boat, his disciples with him. And look at this, the next thing they knew, they were in a severe storm. Waves were crashing into the boat, and he was sound asleep. Do you ever feel like God was asleep in your trial? And look what it says. They roused him, pleading, say it with me, everybody, Master, save us. We're going down. <laughs> Have you ever said that to God? Lord, I'm going down for the count. All right, let's look at what happened. Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you such cowards, such faint hearts? You have so little faith. Then he stood up and told the wind to be still. The sea to quiet down. Silence. And the sea became smooth as glass. Look at the disciples. They were amazed. And what did they say? Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? All right, if you have a Bible, hold it up with me, would you? Just hold your Bible up. Don't sit down yet. Hold your Bible up. Say, this is my sword, my shield, my wisdom, my guide. I receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save my soul. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, it's going to be good today. You better perk up and listen. Now, I know it's no revelation to you that America's in a storm. We're in a storm. And even in spite of that storm, which is financial, but it's far greater than financial, it's spiritual. We're in a storm that is spiritual at its root. And we're in a fight for the soul of our country. I've never prayed over my nation more than I do now. And I've been walking with God since I was 18 years old. I feel a tremendous burden over the United States of America. And I feel like it's time for the people of God to cry out for our land. We're not playing church anymore. This is for our life. This is for our survival. This is for our freedoms. This is for everything. America's in a storm, a lot like these disciples were. And their boat was being tossed to and fro. They were in a vicious storm. But I'm going to tell you, even though we're in a storm, I've got a reason for hope. I really do. And only somebody of faith could say that. I've got a reason for hope, and my reason is good, it's solid, and it's biblical. And I'm going to tell you what my reason for hoping and having faith is rooted in. I've noticed as I read the Bible and as I've walked with God through the years, man's extremity has always been God's opportunity. Now let me tell you what I mean by extremity. Extremity is a state of extreme necessity. It means danger. The greatest extent or degree. Extremity means stretched to the limit. Man's extremity has always proven to be God's opportunity 
It's when we're pushed up against the wall. Have you ever noticed this? When we're pushed up against the wall with no way out, that's when God shows up. When we're pushed up against the wall, we've lost our own strength, we've lost our own tools, we don't know what to do, and we look up, that's when God shows up. Jesus spoke to a frustrated, grieved, physically afflicted Apostle Paul. He said these words, Paul, my grace is all you need. Here's why, Paul, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now, those of you who are weak today, struggling today, up against the wall today, I want you to hear that because you're a perfect candidate for the grace of God. For the grace of God. A display of God's sovereign grace can be expected in this hour of desperation if the church responds biblically. Now, I'm going to say something that might be revolutionary for a lot of you, but here it is. The fate of our country does not rest in a party. Not a Democrat party, not a Republican party, not a Libertarian party, not a pity party. The fate of our nation rests in the people of God. I want you to hear that. The Bible says, if my people, didn't say if my political party, he said if my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And listen to this, I will heal their land, their land. Now notice, he didn't say if the kings get it together. He didn't say if the politicians get it together. He said the whole thing hinges on my people. See, within the church is more power than most Christians ever imagined. When we pray together, in harmony, according to the will and word of God. It resonates and vibrates and pulsates through the halls of glory. It grabs the ear of God. It moves the hand of God. His power is released, and I'm telling you, He can turn things on a dime when God's people pray. Well, I'm feeling this today. In my innermost, innermost. I'm feeling this today. I want you to know, don't give up. I want you to know, faith can turn things. Somebody said, faith delights in man's extremity. It delights in being totally dependent on God. Where human ability has been completely removed from the situation so that God can display His glory. Faith delights when we are out of strength. Faith rises up when we've got nothing left. Faith activates the hand of God and moves the resurrection power of God. And that's what we need. We need to be resurrected. And I'm going to tell you, Lazarus can come up out of that grave. The Bible is loaded with examples of this principle Abraham's extremity of old age became God's opportunity to provide a supernatural Isaac. David's extremity of peril at the hands of a mad king named Saul became God's opportunity to manifest spiritual protection. Peter's extremity of failure by denying Jesus with curses and failing miserably became God's opportunity to manifest his forgiveness and his restoration. 
Paul's extremity of physical weakness became God's opportunity to, to show the power of his sustaining grace. Mankind's extremity of sin became God's opportunity to manifest his love by sending his only son. When you reach the end and you feel like you're down for the count and it looks like the curtain is lowering on your life and on your future and on your chances and on your possibilities, I'm telling you, look up because it's never over until God has had his say. Our extremity becomes God's opportunity to show himself strong. America is experiencing an extremity of financial collapse, an extremity of moral collapse, an extremity of desperation like we've never seen. And you know what God is saying? If my people, if my people, God's not looking to Washington, he's looking to his people. God's not looking to Washington, he's looking right down at us. If my people will realize who they are, will realize what they've got, will put the sword in their hand and the shield of faith in front of them and put on that helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness, those gospel sandals, and will stand up and pray. There is nothing God won't do. Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things you have not known. Say with me, my extremity is God's opportunity. Oh, I want you to remember that when you leave today. I want you to remember that when the bills come due. I want you to remember that when you get a bad report from the doctor. Somebody wrote, when faced with a problem too big for us, a responsibility too heavy for us, or a need too great for us, we can look for God's intervention and help. God never says, well, I'll be. And he never says, what now? Never. Now the disciples on the boat in the middle of a storm-tossed sea provide a perfect illustration of America and what we're experiencing right now. Now, first thing you see as they're going across the sea, you see, is an all-is-well moment. They're experiencing an all-is-well moment. I love all-is-well moments. They're enjoying a quiet journey across a placid sea. No sign of a storm. No sign of trouble. All was well. No muss, no fuss, no problems, no concerns. All was well the way we like life to be. All-is-well moments. Bills are paid. Money's coming in. We're singing in the house. Kids are doing fine. Got all the clothes we want. Got that new car. Got that nice home. All is well. And on top of that, Jesus is in the boat with them. Jesus is in the boat with them. And what could possibly go wrong with Jesus in the boat? They'd watched him perform miracle after miracle. They knew this dude had it all under control. He healed the sick, raised the dead, always had the right word at the right time. Never failed, never tripped, never stumbled, never anything. And he's in the boat. And on top of that, they knew he was the one that led them into the boat. It was Jesus who had said, let's go across to the other side. 
Let's go across to the other side. You see that over there? Let's go across to the other side. Oh, well, Jesus told us to get in the boat. So since we didn't get into this boat on our own, we didn't get into this boat on our own idea. It wasn't a good idea. It was a God idea. We're the ones that got into this boat after he told us to do it. So now we know nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong if he's in the boat and he's the one that told us to get in the boat and we're in the middle, smack middle of the will of God. What could possibly go wrong? Then suddenly, their all is well moment was shattered by a sudden, unexpected, life-threatening storm. Well, that's not supposed to happen when you're walking with God in the middle of His will and you're in His boat and He's in there with you and you're walking with Him. What in the world is this storm doing showing up on my all-is-well moment? I mean, all is well. Isn't everything supposed to go that way when you're walking with God? Not The Bible calls what, ha what hit them, watch this, the Bible calls what hit them a severe storm. Waves were crashing into the boat. Another version says a violent storm. The boat was being covered up by the waves. They were in this boat and the waves were coming up over their head, knocking them to the, to the floor of the boat. One more version says the boat was being swamped by the waves. This was not a strong wind. This was not a rainstorm. This was a tempest, a severe, life-threatening, heart-stopping storm. The disciples felt like they were literally going to be carried to their deaths by the waves. They were afraid for their very life. They thought that the waves were going to push them over the edge into the deep. Did you ever feel that way? Like you were about to go over the edge? In your trial, it's way past what you thought you could handle. It's way further along than you thought you could ever deal with. Did you ever feel that way? Like the waves of trial and difficulty were hitting you, that you were about to go over the edge? Go loony. We're going to have to get you walking down the street saying weird things. Did you ever feel like one more thing, one more wave of trouble, one more thunderclap of bad news, one more lightning flash of something go, going wrong, and I'm not going to be able to take it. I can't take one more thing. Can I say it again? Your extremity is God's opportunity. If you can handle it, you're not in a trial. If you can fix it, you're not in tribulation. It is when you can't fix it, you can't handle it, it's bigger than you, stronger than you, greater than you, more threatening than you, that's when you look up and God's opportunity arrives in your extremity. I hope I'm talking to somebody today because I want you to know God's greater than your trial. This is exactly how they felt and this is the anatomy of a storm. A storm, a real one, a genuine one is overwhelming. It's overpowering. It's frightening. It's bigger than you. It's stronger than you. It can be a storm of temptation. It can be a marital problem. Suddenly, it is bigger and stronger than you, and it's threatening your life, and you feel like you're about to go over the edge. To make it even scarier, it feels like it's out from under God's control. You look around, and it seems like God's asleep, just like they did. 
A real storm punches you in the gut. It takes the breath out of you. You don't know what to do, where to turn. You feel helpless against a real storm. Let me give you some examples of storms that I've seen hit people's lives as a pastor. Learning that your spouse is having an affair and wants a divorce. Being diagnosed with cancer. Or any number of other life-threatening illnesses. Losing your job after many years as a faithful employee. There's a storm. You didn't even get your gold watch. You just got the boot. Not even a thank you. Getting a phone call that your child's been killed in a car accident. Living with a loved one who has a drug or uh, alcohol addiction. There's a storm. There's a daily storm. That storm can blow up at any time of the day or night. Watching a family member be convicted of a crime and sent to prison. There's a storm. What do I do now? How'd this happen? He's in my boat. And I'm walking with him. Having a child diagnosed with serious mental illness. I've seen that. What do you do with that? What do you do when there's no answer? Discovering that a loved one has a chronic or terminal illness and you're going to be the primary caregiver if God doesn't do a miracle. Experiencing the death of a spouse or a partner. There's a storm. How about living in a physically or sexually abusive relationship? There's a storm, and I want to add something to that. Let me just say, if you're in an, an abusive relationship right now, I encourage you to get out. It's never smart to stay in the path. Watch this. It's never smart to stay in the path of an oncoming, potentially deadly storm. Sometimes God doesn't say, stick around and bear it. He says, get dressed and flee it. Don't let, let yourself be abused. That's not God. Storms happen to the godly and the ungodly. Have you ever noticed that? And doesn't that just make you mad sometimes? One person wrote, it's not possible to be good enough or to work hard enough or to be faithful enough to escape the stresses and the suffering of life. Anybody that tells you you can escape the stresses and suffering of life, they're lying to you. You can't do it. And if you figure out how, please come talk to me. I'm going to invest in your stock. <laughs> At some point in our lives, the storms will most likely come. And they often come when they're least expected, just like it did these disciples. An awesome moment of peace, and then suddenly, a storm. Somebody said, and I like this, life is what happens when you're making other plans. But there's a difference between the godly and the ungodly when storms strike. There is a huge difference. And here's the difference. People of faith have a helper. God himself is your helper. God says, I am a very present help in the time of trouble. I am there in your hour of trouble. I like what Jim Cantor, I'm going to read you what somebody who works at the, at the Weather Channel, he made this statement. Jim Cantor, send him a, a letter that you appreciate what he said. He said, it's still not possible to predict bad weather exactly, but the ability of people to triumph over adversity is one thing that will always be in my forecast. Now, I like that. 
because people have an amazing ability, especially when God the Holy Ghost is living inside of you. They can go ahead and stand over you and say, 10, 9, 8, said before they get to 1, lo and behold, you're back on your feet again. How did you get there? By the resurrection power of God. I didn't come today to preach you down. I came to preach you up. I want to stir your faith up a little bit today. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, church. Now, here's what we in America can learn from what the disciples went through. Here's the first lesson. God never promised ever that we would be protected from storms, only that we would not be alone in the midst of them. God never said, get saved and you'll never have a storm. When I got saved, I had storms I never knew about. He never said you're not going to have a storm. He just said, I guarantee you and I covenant with you that you will never go through your storm alone. Now let me give you an example. Most of us had nothing to do with the greedy, irresponsible people who caused the financial storm <clears throat> that is right now rocking our boat. Greedy, self-centered, even criminal people ushered this country and the world with it into a financial fiery oven. They will have to answer for their greed and what they did when they face the living God on the day of judgment one day. But you know what? Even though we didn't have anything to do with it, we're still going to have to weather it. The disciples had nothing at all to do with the storm that assaulted them. But they still had to deal with it. The fact is that God has not promised to keep us safe from harm. He has not. But He's promised to be with us in the midst of suffering. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And I wish I understood that. It's one of the things I'm going to ask Jesus when I go to heaven. One of the first things I want to say if I have any questions is why did bad things happen to good people? Why did some good people who loved you with all their heart die at 30 and serial killers live to 90? Tell me, God. But until then, I trust Him with all my heart and don't lean to my own understanding. But all through Scripture, God's saints experience trouble. And I want you to know, church, we're not exempt from trouble. But we have grace and the Holy Spirit within us working on our behalf. You read Hebrews 11, and the laundry list of trials that God's saints went through is extensive. Let me just read to you a few. Talking about those who walk by faith and love God. Here it is. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, their future resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips and chains and dungeons. I read this week where they took Jeremiah the prophet when he was telling them, you better, you better serve the Chaldeans, you better serve the Babylonians, you better not run from them or fight them because God's leading you into captivity. If you fight them, you'll die. You better serve them. And they took him, this man of God. They tied ropes around his armpits. They lowered him into a cesspool and dropped him and left him there. He's up to here. No food left to die for preaching the Word of God. Now, if I'm God, I levitate him. I get him out of there. 
But he sat there a while. He had to suffer for the word of the Lord. You may have to suffer for the word of the Lord. I'm telling you the truth today. You may have to suffer because you're a Christian. You may have to take a stand someday, and I want you to have steel in your spine. You may have to stand someday and say, I will not recant. I believe Jesus Christ died for me, rose from the dead, and if I've got to go now, I've got to go now. But I've got steel in my spine. I want to tell you that life is an all-is-well moment. But all is well moments for me come periodically. I've got to learn to experience the joy of the Lord in my heart and not be dependent on circumstances. He goes on in Hebrews and says, We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in half, murdered in cold blood. It goes on. This is out of the Message Bible. Stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. And then he says, but the world wasn't even worthy of them. What are you going to do if the heat comes on you? Church, I'm not a pillow prophet. I don't stand up here and tell you, if you just say the right things, you're going to have a never-ending, all-is-well moment. No. My Bible tells me if I live godly in Christ Jesus, I will suffer persecution. When was the last time you really let it out that you were a believer and shared Jesus with people? Did they all say, I'm so glad you told me that? No, no, no. It says, by the grace of God, when they turn their situation over to Jesus, just like the disciples did, grace kept them. Now listen to me carefully. Grace not only delivers us out of troubles, but grace delivers us through troubles. I'm going to say that again. Grace doesn't just pluck you out, deliver you out, snatch you out of troubles. But grace is extended to people who are suffering, and he walks through the valley of the shadow with them. I think it's as great a testimony when somebody says, for years I suffered and the grace of God saw me through it and I still praise Him and I still seek Him and I still go to church. I'm still saved. I've grown spiritually. It worked for my good. I think that's as much a testimony as somebody saying, I got a miracle. are somber today. The disciples just happened to be delivered out of this storm immediately, but they would have storms later in their life that they did not get delivered out of immediately. Peter hung upside down on a cross, 11 of the 12 martyred. Now the second thing they did in the storm is they turned to Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you something about storms. It's not the storm. It's what you do in the storm. It's what you do with the storm. It's who you turn to or what you turn to in the storm. Some people, a storm hits, they look for the nearest bottle. They think there's an answer in that bottle. And there's no answer in that bottle. There's demons at the bottom of that bottle. Now watch this. There's a billboard on the way here. Me and Kathy see it every time we come to church. It's a billboard for some kind of whiskey. And it's got a snake with long fangs coming out of it. Like that's some positive thing. Oh, look, whiskey that's got a snake with fangs on it. All right. I said to Kathy, that couldn't be truer, that billboard, because there is a snake with fangs in that stuff. Yeah. 
It'll wreck your life, ruin your life, shatter your life. Learn to access the Holy Ghost. He's living inside of you. They turn to Jesus, not a bottle. Turn to Jesus, not despair. Turn to Jesus, not, oh no, it's over with. They turn to Jesus, not pessimism. Jesus, they said, Jesus. Now, it wasn't great faith, but they had enough faith to call out on his name. Don't you care? And Jesus woke up and stood up. Can you imagine this? He's sleeping while they're about to seemingly die. Remember what Paul said? Jesus said to him, my grace is enough. It's all you need. Jesus said to Paul, my strength comes to you in your weakness. The storms of our lives, listen, will probably not be halted in such a dramatic way as they experienced. More than likely, you're going to have to walk through it with grace sustaining you. But the spiritual power that comes from trusting in God is guaranteed. It's a covenant. And he's going to work it out for your good. I love Paul, who I call the attitude king. Here's what he said when Jesus said, hey, my grace is enough for you. Quit it. Yeah, you've got an affliction. You know what? For, for, for some reason, not only to God, I'm not going to take it away right now, Paul. You're getting so many revelations, I'm going to keep you humble. Here you go. So here's what Paul responded by saying. He said, quote, when I heard that, I quit focusing on my handicap and began appreciating God's gift. So everybody say with me, in a storm, focus matters. He said, I quit focusing on my handicap. Now, I personally, as a Bible student, believe it was his eyes. We have lots of evidence for that. If it was anything, it was likely his eyes. He wrote in huge letters. Uh, he said to the Galatian church, I believe, I bear witness that if you could have, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given, me, given them to me. Obviously, there was something with his eyes, and not just his eyes, but revolting about his eyes. He said, you were tempted to turn away from me in revulsion. But here he is, and he says, you know, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, whatever. So he, here's what he says. When I heard that, I quit focusing on my handicap and began appreciating God's gift. He goes on. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. He goes on and says, quote, now I take limitations in stride. I like that. The attitude king. I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. And then he tells us abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. Some of you, your philosophy is if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have luck at all. <laughs> Listen to me. He said, when I have a bad break, I glorify God. That bad break isn't going to knock me down. When I have trouble, I glorify God. When I get persecuted, I glorify God. When I have an accident, I glorify God. That's what I mean. You could knock him down physically, but you couldn't knock this man down in his heart. He was, he's got the greatest attitude in the history of humanity that I've ever been able to find. And he got it by the Holy Ghost living inside of him. And that same spirit lives inside of you. Say with me in my weakness. He's strong. And with my handicaps, I can praise him and I don't have to focus on what I can't do. I focus on what I can do. 
You know, I, I've been preaching since I was 18 years old. That means I've been preaching 37 years. I've preached in all kinds of situations. I've preached when people hated me when I was preaching. I've preached when they were clapping when I was preaching, like you. I've preached when I was sick as a dog. I've preached when I was down. I've preached in all manner of situations. And I can tell you that it's been those times when I felt weak, when I felt like I wasn't doing well, when I felt like I wasn't saying it right, or I stood in the pulpit and just felt terrible. I can tell you that it's been those times when people came up to me and said, wow. I go, wow? You're being nice today. No, I mean, I got touched when you You did? And I'm as amazed as anybody. You know why? Because it happened in my weakness. But I have found when I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm weak, he's strong. Now, the last thing that we in America can learn from these disciples is this. Look what happened. We can ask ourselves the question that Jesus asked the disciples. Where is your faith? And you know what I find here? Storms are opportunities not only for God to show himself strong, but they're always an opportunity for spiritual growth. Always. Storms can make you or break you. Storms can take you out of church, out of prayer, out of the Word, out of walking with Him. Or storms can make you stronger, better, instead of bitter. Storms can make you grow in, at a speed and to an extent you would never have grown without the storm. I'm telling you, same sun that melts butter hardens clay. Some people... When they go through a trial, they melt in the presence of God. Other people, their hearts harden. Where's God? I don't believe in Him anymore. He let this happen to me. What are you going to be? Same sun that melts butter, hardens clay. The disciples asked a million-dollar question, and I want you to notice something, a question they had never asked until the ordeal of the storm. The storm made them ask this question. Who is this anyway? <laughs> oh, good night. I've got this. Jesus stood up. <laughs> and he said, he said, he said, be still. Now, they're in the boat. He, said, he talks to the waves. Waves, be still. I made you. Chill. He speaks to the wind. Stop it. The howling ceased. And they're back in a all-is-well moment. They looked at him. Who is this? Anyway, the winds and the sea. Do what this dude says. <laughs> and, you know, and so you go, that's the million dollar question. And you can hear Jesus saying, that's exactly what I wanted you to ask. 
Because I'm wanting you to grow, and you're never going to grow until you realize who you're really walking with. Man. I ain't no first century hippie walking around in sandals saying cool things. I'm God wrapped in flesh. I made this world. I can tell it what to do, and it obeys me. And that God is inside of you. Now let me show you quickly as we close how storms work for our good, even to prepare you and me for what lies ahead. Because God knows what's coming down the road. Where were they going when this storm struck? They were going to Gadara. What awaited them in Gadara? A tragically demon-possessed man. The twelve were about to encounter a level of spiritual warfare they'd never known in their entire life. They'd never seen anything like this. This was serious business. They encountered a storm and a revelation before the greatest manifestation of evil they'd ever seen. Chains couldn't hold him. He was supernatural. He broke chains like they were butter. Demons tormented him. Children went to bed tonight af- at night afraid of him in Gadara. Nobody could tame him, the Bible says. He was supernatural in the power of evil. That Watch this. As Jesus encounters and delivers the poor man, I think it's amazing what you don't hear, what you don't hear from the disciples. You don't hear them shouting in fear like they did on the boat. I mean, this dude, let me tell you, was scary stuff. You don't hear him screaming. The Bible does not give us any commentary about how their faces were afraid or worried. Now, let me tell you what I think was going through their mind. We just saw him rebuke the waves and rebuke the wind, and they did exactly what he said. At his word, a storm stilled. These devils, they're nothing. I know who I'm walking with. I know who I'm walking with. (laughs) So sometimes when you go through storms and you see God carry you to the other side and there's not even the smell of smoke on you and things that had you bound have been burned away and you're better off and there's a greater anointing on your life, you turn around and you go, who is this that's leading me, that brought me through that? Well, he's the one who's got the whole world in his hands. And he's showing you who he is so that in the next challenge that comes your way, your faith is stronger. Your faith is mightier. You know that he can handle it. If he can speak to those evil spirits and deliver that poor man and send those devils into the swine, then he can do anything. He can do anything. Stand with me, would you? Now let me summarize this so you don't forget it. America's extremity is God's opportunity. Say with me, it looks bad out there. So did that Gadarene demoniac. He looked bad. Jesus took care of it. And that storm was bad. But Jesus took care of it. The important thing is that the church, my people, pray. So America's America's extremity is God's opportunity. Second thing, don't forget, 
God never promised to protect us from all troubles, but he did promise we wouldn't face them alone. Third, the issue is not the storm, but who you turn to in the middle of the storm. Turn to him, and the whole thing will begin to come under his charge. The last thing, storms are opportunities for spiritual growth. I want to pray for people who are in storms today. I want you to know that if you call on the name of the Lord, you're inviting God to step into your situation. And He will. With every head bowed for a moment, you can say, Pastor, I'm in the middle of a storm and I need God's help. Will you slip your hand up in the air? I'm in the middle of a storm. Keep it up. I'm in the middle of a storm. Many, many people. I want you to do something right now. I want you to slip out. I want you to come down here to the altar quickly. Come down right now. Lord's just kind of nudging my heart a little bit that with some of you, you're in a storm of temptation and you feel yourself weakening, like you're about to go over the edge. Some of you, it is definitely financial. Some of you, like Paul, you've got a physical affliction. You know what? He's greater than all those things, and His grace is amazing. So I want us to pray right now to the one who hears the prayers of His people. I sense the anointing so strong right now, I could just cut it like butter. It's in this altar. Heavenly Father, we're backed up against a wall and we don't know what to do. But Lord, we know that amazing grace doesn't require understanding. Amazing grace is being released from the hand of the God of grace right now. You're not going down, but you're going through. You're not done, you're going to have a new beginning. You're not retired. You're going into transition. God's not finished with you yet. Don't let the enemy tell you he is. The curtain is not falling. The curtain is rising on a new opportunity. He is with you. And if he is with you, who can be against you? Nothing can separate you from his love. Not anything. You're going to stand on your feet by resurrection power. You're going to laugh again, rejoice again, skip again, have a smile on your face again, a gleam in your eye again. 
It looks impossible, but that's God's opportunity. Receive His grace today. Thank Him for His grace today. Don't focus on your handicap. Focus on the God of grace, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before Him endured His cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And He ever lives to make intercession for you, and He's praying for you, and that's why you will not go down, but you will go through. You will not go down, but you will go through. I'm going to say it again. You are not going down. You are going through. The devil is lying to you in your mind, telling you all kinds of things, trying to make you afraid, trying to make you give up, trying to make you intimidated, and I rebuke those lies out of your mind right now. You are not a child of fear, but a child of faith. Stir up the gift of God that is within you and praise His name. Now grace is moving in this altar. I want you to lift your hands to Him. There is an anointing moving in this altar right now. He is here to minister to you. You don't need a person to touch you. He's there right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church. Let's praise Him. Come on and praise Him. Let the anointing of God flow in this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.